This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Steve Vickers in Christian Life Church in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com. So we're talking about managing your life, and we've been teaching out of uh, Matthew chapter 25, specifically the parable of the talents there, the parable of the talents. Uh, I want to read there, let's uh, start in verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a trip. He called together his servants and he gave them money. Now, this is his money. He's the one. He made this choice. It was his will, his desire. He gave it to them. He took of his own and gave to them. He called his gather his servants, and gave them money to invest for him. In other words, the reason he gave them the money was to, uh, it was going to supply something for them, but it was also at the end of the day to produce something for him. To invest for him while he was gone. He gave five bags of gold to one, two bags of gold to another, and one bag of gold to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Now, this is where the enemy really tries to get us. He wants us, uh, we all get caught in the trap. And it's, it is a little bitty mindset. It's the smallest mindset you can have. And you're bigger than this, but we all get trapped in it. And that is comparing ourselves with others. Because someone has something you don't. Because someone can do something you don't. Because, uh, you ever seen a kid that because they couldn't win the game, they wouldn't play the game? See, that, and we have to train them not to be that way. Because if they develop that when they're playing kickball or soccer or a swim, swimming race, They'll develop a habit that is in life and they'll all, because there's always people better than us. You remember the old West? (laughs) There was always someone faster. You know what? You're never the best there is. You're the best you there is. And that's the best that you can be best at. All right? Uh, But, you know, don't... Let yourself get trapped in comparing yourself to what others have. We taught last time, on our, when we taught out of this, we taught, uh, two weeks ago, we taught on using what you have. And we said, if you don't use what you have, you have nothing to use. You'll, you, you'll never have what you need to use. You'll, but if you'll use what you have, You've got something. You remember what we said? There was three things. You start where you are. You do what you can. And you make what you have produce. Now, he gave them different amounts according to their abilities. And then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of gold began immediately. Don't you see? Listen, look at his attitude. Isn't that something? He began immediately. Everybody say immediately. He began immediately to use what he had been given. He didn't wait. He didn't look around at what others had. He looked at what he had and he began immediately to invest the money and soon doubled it. Listen, if you'll use what you have, I promise you, you'll have more 
The servant with two bags of gold also went right to work and doubled the money. But the servant who received the one bag of gold dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money for safekeeping. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of gold said, Sir, you gave me five bags of gold to invest, and I have doubled the amount. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Listen, productivity comes out of responsibility. If you don't want responsibility, then don't want to be productive because one requires the other. All right? I will give you many more responsibilities. Responsibility is merely the fact that you're going to produce more. The more responsibility you have, the more you're going to be worth, the more your value, and the more your end result. Let's celebrate together. Next came the servant who had received the two bags of gold with the report, Sir, you gave me two bags of gold to invest in. I have doubled the amount. The master said, Well done. My good and faithful servant, you have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then came the servant with the one bag of gold and said, Sir, I know you. Isn't it interesting the first two words he uses? He says, Sir, I The other two guys said, sir, you. Kind of shows us where the focus, the different focus was. See, where we mess up is when our focus is on me. What I have, what I want, what I don't have, how people are treating me, how things are going for me, how is my life, how am I, me, me, me. You know, it's been said the smallest package in the world is someone wrapped up in themselves. Uh, Let's don't be that sort of gift. Sir, I know you. You are a hard man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. Hey, wait a minute, buddy. Where did you get what you had? You're lying. The crops he would have, that you would have produced were from him giving you. So you just lied about the man. You lied. You didn't even understand that what you have was a gift from him. See, we get trapped into thinking, this is my life, my lot in life. It's not yours. God's given you something to start with, not something to sustain you the rest of your life. It's something to begin with. It's a plot of land. It's some building materials. But he sure didn't mean for you to lay down on top of the lumber and sleep and spend the rest of your life. He means get up. Till the soil, lay a foundation, build a house, build a life, plant crops, start a business, become industrious, be productive, and build a life. As a matter of fact, build something that even others can receive from. I was afraid. You might want to circle those three words. I was afraid. I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth, and here it is. 
But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servants. See, that tells us about him. You think I'm a hard man, do you? Harvesting crops I didn't plant and gathering crops I didn't cultivate. Well, you should at least have put my money into the bank so I could have some interest. Take the money from, your, from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of gold. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who are unfaithful, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't want to go there. I don't want to find out what that place is like. I want to be the faithful. I want to be, I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want. Today I want us to talk about a subject I call the difference maker in your life. Because every one of you have a difference maker. And I know some of you, and his name is Jesus. Okay, for a moment, let's take off the religious eyeglasses and let's get real here for just a second, okay, if we can. Obviously, Jesus is the difference maker. But I want to tell you what, you have a difference maker in your life, whether you have Jesus or not. And we need to understand that. Because if you don't, even with Jesus, the real difference maker in your life, you will have trouble and, won't, and he won't be able to make a difference. Are you with me? All right. Why do some people overcome unbelievable circumstances and adversities and others do not? I've seen lost people overcome things that Christians could not. And I've seen the, the opposite happen. Christians overcome where... Uh, a lost person wouldn't. I've realized. And of course, the Christians always say, the Lord helped me through. And yes, he did. But I'm going to tell you what. I could also find testimonies of people in the world. I can look in the world and I can find people that have good marriages. I can find people that are kind. I can find people that love. I find people that do good. I find people that survive and overcome immense tragedies and circumstances, I can look in the Christian world and find the same thing, but I also can find people that are mean, judgmental, that are, that are unhappy and miserable and make everybody around them unhappy and miserable, that lose at everything they ever try, that never succeed and never overcome the slightest thing when the littlest thing happens. When their car gets dented, their world falls apart. They lose their job. They hate God and everybody else. What is it? See, I, I understand about us giving God the glory, but I think we ought to really understand what it means to give Him glory, not just lip service. And see, when the Church, or when the world hears us say, oh, God did this for me. Glory be to God. And there's no substance behind it. They count it shallow. And they also think, well, you know, when something goes wrong, well, God didn't show up and God did it wrong. Everything, we blame God. We blame him for the good. We blame him for the bad. You know, just like the guy hits his thumb with the hammer and all of a sudden 
He knows God's name. And he gives him two names. Why are some people able to rebound again and again while others are not? Why do some people always seem to rise to the top and others cannot? Now get out of your Christian world for a second and let's talk about living in the world. And not just being a light in the church, but actually living for Jesus in the world. And let's get real and have real Christianity or deal with real issues in our life. Let's quit playing games. Is it simply luck or maybe it's some magic principle unknown to the rest of us? There are a number of factors that come into play, I'll admit, in the above scenarios. But there is one very important key or principle. And this is what we're going to talk about today. And Jesus brings it out in this story. It becomes very clear in this story. And this principle is the difference maker in your life. So let's look at it. Let's look at verse 24 and 25, and it tells us a wealth of it. Then the servant with the one bag of gold came and said, Now listen, if you listen to someone long enough, they're going to tell you what's wrong. I mean, at first they'll tell you what's wrong on the surface. But if you listen long enough, it won't be long that you'll find what's wrong inside that causes it to be wrong on the surface. You'll find out what their issues are that keep them held captive so they cannot go or do or be what everyone has the opportunity to do and to be. All right? And so this man, out of his mouth, comes understanding to us. Then the servant with, and the Bible, it's interesting. Jesus said this. Jesus, now listen, this has always struck me. These, he said, by your words. And the, the term that he used, the Greek word, or the Aramaic word he uses for words is not like great speeches or when you stand up and the, you, you're at your highest and your best and, and you say all the right things and you're saying what you wish you could have said all along. The word, term he uses to try, that says by your words, the term there, words, means this. Every little idle thing that you say that just slips out. Are you with me? It's idle speech or speech that you don't have any, you know, you're not thinking about it. You're not trying to make it happen. Every idle word, every little word, every insignificant word. He said, by your idle words, by that insignificant words that just come out of your mouth. He said, by that, I'm going to judge you. By that, you will be redeemed, saved. You will be justified and made right in my sight in heaven, or by them you will be condemned when you get to heaven. You know, here's what I think is going to happen. I think when we all stand before God, and the Bible says every human being will stand before God, I think God's going to play the audio. And we're going to stand there. You say he hasn't got the time. Well, he just happened to have eternity, so he probably has got the time. And so 
He's going to play the audio, and all of a sudden, we're going to hear these things that we said about other people, about ourselves, our circumstances, about all these things. Yeah, and we, and of course, we're going to say, but wait a minute, I said that in a moment of frustration. I said it when I was agitated. I said it when I was angry. And he's going to say, because it was in your heart. Because those things that we think through and make sure they're exactly what we want to say, they're put through a filter. But he's talking not about the filtered speech, the unfiltered speech. That speech that doesn't come through the filter of, should I say this or should I not? It bypasses your head and comes right out of your heart. And right out of his heart, this man says this. Listen to what he says. I know you. You're a hard man. See, immediately he blamed God. He blamed the master, the one that had given him something. He said, it's your fault. I could have done better if it wasn't for you. It's your fault. I know you. You're a hard man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. So he says, I know you. Now listen to me very carefully. I've been preaching since 1971. That's a day or two. And over the years, something I've really labored at and prayed about is how to get people first to come to know Jesus, to be able to effectively communicate Him to them in reality. Not in my opinion, not in the opinion of others, but as He really is. How can I effectively communicate Him to those that do not know Him? Secondly, how to get those that do know Him to get real. So that they deal with the real issues in their life. And they don't hide behind Christianity and a facade of saying the right things, acting the right ways at the right times. But they're never able to let the light that is in them shine out because they hold it under a bushel. They hold it under a lid. How do I get them to do that? How do I change that? And I found this. One of the main things that I've got to deal with is attitude. Because if I don't affect, if I don't help Christians make a change in their attitude, that they can know all the right things, but the rudder in, on their boat is the attitude. So they wind up becoming self-destructed. They wind up getting into things or always destroying opportunities. And, and they wind up actually becoming a hindrance to others finding Christ than rather an open door where people find Him. Because they never deal with their attitude. That's why I want us to be real. 
That's why I want us when we come in here, let's take our mask off. Let's get, leave your halos at the front door. Leave your angels' wings out there. For the rest of us are simply real people. I'm stumbling along the way. I fail probably more than I get it right. I need God's mercy not every day. Now, I don't have to have it every day. I, but I do have to have it every moment of every day. Because I get wrong attitudes. I say wrong things. I act wrong ways. I have wrong thoughts. I'm fighting through Steve Vickers becoming right and who God wants him to be. And, and it's, it's a struggle. And one of the hardest things is to try to do it in front of theatrical players who are all performing the Christian play. Because I know if you acted out there like you do in here, there wouldn't be room in here for you because people would run to Jesus. But listen, I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about me. He said, I know you. Listen, how was his knowledge of the master shaped? He had been around the master. He had walked with him. He worked for him. He was around him all the time. But notice his way, how he knew them and how the others knew the master is completely different. Completely different. He saw the master as being a very hard man that the master didn't care about anybody. It was all about himself and all about what he wanted and all about what he could get. It's like some people say, oh, here comes another preacher. You know, when you receive the tithes and offerings, here's another preacher, just wanting money. All God, just, all God wants is my money and take my life over. See, then there are those that think, thank you for allowing me to give because if I don't give, I'm going to be stingy. I'm going to be eaten up with greed. I don't want my, you know, one reason I give is because I know Steve Vickers. I know that if, if I don't do things and purposely act out things that are against my own character, my own nature, that if I don't, those things will take over and they're not good. Things like greed and selfishness and things that are about just about my life and just living my life and building just my life. I don't want to live that way. I, I really do want to live for Jesus. I really do. Now, I'm not talking about being so, some, you know. I'm not talking about being Mr. Perfect, Perfect, that's far gone, and Jesus and I gave up on me ever being that a long time ago. Can I tell you something God spoke to me when I, got, when I first went in the ministry? The Lord asked me, said, can you, are you willing to fail? I said, absolutely not. Failure is not an option. Guess what he told me? He said, then I can't use you. I said, what do you mean? He said, because you're not going to be real. He said, everyone fails. And you're going to fail. And he said, if you're not willing to fail, you'll never be usable. He said, you're going to fail. He said, you're going to make me angry. And you're going to need my forgiveness again and again. But it's already there. 
be real with me. And you know, boy, that really helped me. It helped me because I knew I could never be perfect. Wasn't trying to be. See, he was with the master all that time, but he had a wrong attitude. You might want something to really help you. I'm a pilot. And in flying, attitude is so important. I've gone through severe storms in small private planes. And you know what you focus on? The attitude. I focus on wings level. I may lose a thousand feet like that and then come back up 500 feet like that. But you know what I focus on is attitude. I don't want to get my angle of attack too high. I don't want to get nose down. I want to keep my wings level. I want to keep my attitude right. I want to keep my attitude right. It's important when you're flying in good, in severe clear, but when you're in the bad times, boy, it's really important. As a matter of fact, it's the difference maker. Attitude. And in our lives, attitude is everything. Now, is it everything in life? No. But as far as shaping and directing and leading us, attitude is so important. You say, well, the Holy Spirit leads me. Only if your attitude's right. Because the Holy Spirit can try to lead you, but if your attitude is not right, you won't hear it or you won't do it. That's why I say, let's quit being spiritual and real religious. Let's get real. Jesus works with real people. He can work with a real person. He cannot work with a religious person. What his, how, his knowledge, who the master was, was shaped totally by his attitude, not by being around the master. See, you can be in church all the time. Some of you have been in church all your life, and your attitude of God stinks. Soon as some, why did you do this, God? Why did you allow this, God? Why haven't you done this for me, God? Why, where are you, God, when I need you? God, what's got wrong? Some of you won't even pray because you know he's not going to answer. I mean, why pray? God didn't answer. See your attitude. Because there's someone else next to you that could say, yes, he does. Yes, he does. God is good. God didn't cause the bad things, but he sure helped make the bad turn to good. See, difference in attitude. Two people, a husband and wife can sit together. He can have a great attitude about God. And honey, I know we're going through tough times. God's going to see us through. Well, where has he been? I mean, it sure takes him long enough. I mean, if I was God, I could show up a little quicker. If I was God, I could do this. Does he mean, huh, maybe I need to be God. I know that's not you, but if you want to look at your neighbor, you can let them realize Attitude is so powerful in our lives. Listen to this. Attitude is one of the most powerful determinants to how far we are able to go in life. There it is on the screen. You might want to write that down. It is one of the most powerful determinants to how far we are able to go in life. Attitude is not everything, but it is a powerful thing. The right attitude, listen to this, can open doors of opportunity. Why don't doors open up for me? 
Check your attitude. Listen. Listen. It's, I am trying to build a church that isn't a church. I'm doing my best, and my plan for this church is to strip it of it being a church. I want to I wanna burn down everything. I want to throw out everything that's a church. I want to build a church. Not, and when I say that, I'm talking about our church. I'm telling you, I'm so convinced that Jesus is saying to the Father, Father is saying, what in the world are they doing? Jesus is saying, it's not what I intended. That's not what I died for. That's not what I told them. I didn't tell them to build it about themselves. I didn't tell them to make it about themselves. I didn't tell them that. They're doing that. They've got the wrong attitude. But I'm working, Father. And I am. The Holy Spirit and I are working on them steadily. Well, I want him to do a work on us. I want a church that is built for the lost. I want a church that the lost love to come to. I want a, I want a church that's not full of Christians. I want a church that's full of Christians and lost people. I want to have a church. I want just as many lost as have Christians so I can see them and affect them and have them. And when I say lost, I mean unchurched people because we're all lost. Until we find the way in Jesus. The right attitude can open doors of opportunity, help you overcome adversities, create a sense of hope, give you the ability to persevere, and so much more. Now listen to this though. The wrong attitude can close doors of opportunity. It takes the wind out of your sails, makes you want to quit, saps the strength from your life and those around you. There is never anything right about a wrong attitude. Let me say it again. There is never anything right about a wrong attitude, and there is never any good excuse for having a wrong attitude. Well, you don't understand what I've been through, and you're not the only one. Yeah, but you don't understand what's happened to me, and you're not the only one. Yeah, but you don't understand this is happening. You're not the only one. You're not the only one. Everybody say, I'm not the only one. I don't care what you think about how bad life has been. You're not the only one. I'm sorry, but your sob story is not alone. I'm not demeaning it. But I am saying, get over it. Attitude affects every area of our lives. It affects our relationships, our success, our happiness, and it even affects our health. Bad attitude It's going to affect you. Even our perceptions of others depends more on our attitude than it does their character. That's why you don't listen to people's opinions of other people because everyone's opinion is 90% the attitude that the individual that's giving you opinion has. It's 90% of their attitude and it's 10% of the other person. So you're basing your your perception of the person on nine-tenths of a lie. Four things attitude cannot do. It cannot take the place of competence. You're going to have to get competent. You're going to have to develop abilities. You can't have a great attitude with no abilities. It's good to have a good attitude, but you've got to have abilities. It cannot 
replace experience. You're still going to have to go through some things and you ought to learn from experience. It cannot change the facts. The facts are the facts. No matter how great your attitude is or how bad it is. You can't feel so sorry for yourself that God says, oh, we're going to come in and do something different. And it cannot replace personal development. If you won't develop yourself, a great attitude is not going to help you. The quickest way to alter your life is to change your attitude. If you want to make a change in your life, the quickest way to do it is simply work on your attitude. Change your attitude. Because so much in our lives responds to our attitude. It takes time to gain knowledge and experience and develop competencies, which you must do. But you can change your attitude by choice in a moment. Here's what Chuck Swindoll says. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. You are in charge of your attitude. You know, in life, and sometimes I may teach on this, a real key to success in life is learning to control your controllables. Control your controllables. What is amazing to me is how people try to control things that are uncontrollable. And they let things that are uncontrollable control them. Control your controllables. That's all you can do. Now, why did this man have a wrong attitude about his master? Well, it tells us this. He said, I was afraid. For some reason, he made the choice to let fear be the driver of his attitude, the the cornerstone of his attitude. And he built his attitude around fear. Perhaps something happened when he was real young or somewhere in his life. But an attitude of fear got into him and it began to dictate everything. Even his opinion of the man he worked for that was totally different from the opinion those his fellow employees had. Every one of us have drivers in our life. It may be a dream, it may be fear, maybe hope, greed, faith, family, lust, love, whatever. We decide, no one else does, we decide what the driver is going to be in our life, the, the thing that's going to drive and give birth to our attitude. He said this, notice, he said, you are a hard man. You, what he Here's what he was talking about when he said, I know you. You are a hard man. He wasn't talking about his master. You know what he was talking about? Husbands and wives see this because there's there's so much emotion and so much love involved that when they get in an argument, the real depth of the person, the real issues come out. See, when that man said, I know you, you're a hard man, he wasn't talking about his master. That master, he was talking about his real master. Do you understand what I'm saying? His real master was the fear that was inside him. It drove him. I guarantee you, everywhere that man went, in every circumstance, 
when the pressure's on, the fear was in charge. There's people in this room, fear is your driver. Fear's taking control. Fear seizes a soul in a moment of weakness. Once it sinks its tentacles into us, it takes control unless we refuse to let it do so. Remember God's word to Cain before he slew his brother Abel. God said to Cain, sin is crouching at your door, waiting, but you must master it. See, whatever the driver in your life is, lust, greed, fear, anger, whatever it is, you've got to take control of it. Nobody else can. And you have to make that choice. The Bible says there's one thing more powerful than fear. The Bible says God's love expels all fear from our lives. Those of you here today that you need to expel and get rid of fear in your life, you need to quit being driven by fear. You need to quit allowing fear to be the formation place of your attitude about life and everything. Here's what you need to do. You need to diligently focus your heart and your mind on God's love for you. That's a powerful thing. That's not nursery school. That's not kiddie Sunday school stuff. It's the stuff that changes lives. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever believes in Him should not die or perish but would have everlasting life. you got to make a choice yourself to believe in the love of God. As long as you live, you'll have an attitude but you choose whether you have a right one or a wrong one. That's up to you. If you realize that your attitude is wrong, then make the decision, I'm going to have the right attitude. The Bible says we should have the same attitude as the Lord Jesus. He humbled himself. Everything he did, he did in love. The starting point for your new attitude is a new outlook on life. And that is to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. That's the starting point. Every one of us in here, we have an attitude. That attitude is driven by something. It can be driven, motivated, formed by the love of God. Or it can be formed by the hurts, the pains the disappointments, what the world and life gives us. Jesus said that the world is full of tribulation, trouble, and trial. And if we, don't, if we do not purposely, intentionally let the love of God invade our lives and focus our life on the love of God and let that be the incubator that our attitude, our desires, everything in our life is born out of. If we don't do that, the things of this world, the pains, the problems, the situations, they will come and they will build the wrong attitude in us. It's your choice. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com.